take us as we are. And so, Father, with arms out in surrender, everything that I am, every way that I failed this week, because of the blood of Jesus, I know I am forgiven. Because of the blood of Jesus, I don't have to sit in my guilt. I don't have to sit in my shame. And I know Jesus is at God's right hand right now. I know He's at your right hand, Father, saying, I died for that sin. I died for that sin. I died for that sin. So, Father, we come this morning as we are. With everything that hurts, with every, all the pain in life, all of our failures, Father, we know that when we meet with you in your presence, you will change us. And so, God, I beg that for every soul this morning, that as we are, you would change us. God, that we would trust in the unfailing, never-ending, accomplished work of Jesus on the cross so that I can stand here this morning and say, I am a child of God. I am not a slave. I'm not a slave to fear. And I am no longer a slave to Satan's lies. But I am a child of God. There is freedom in that. There is freedom this morning. We love you, God, and we stand here in your presence begging you as you meet us where we're at, to change us to be more like Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. You can have a seat. Occupy your street. How are we doing with that? What's your street? Again, your street is not just where you live. Your street is where you work. It includes where you live, the street that you live on. It's where you go to get your hair cut. It's where you work out. It's where you go on a regular daily Weekly, monthly basis, how are we doing occupying our street for the gospel? If you look on your seat, hold up that little card that says Harvest America on it. Okay, this is, this is an opportunity you have to make this really easy. Okay, all you have to do is hand this to somebody. Okay, don't throw it in somebody's window as they drive by. Um, but you can hand it to somebody who you think needs to be set free by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Does anybody know anybody in their life right now that needs to be set free by the gospel of Jesus? Raise your hand. I heard somebody say one time, when I first met Heather, a mentor of mine said, for every Christian that does not have a meaningful relationship with someone who does not know Jesus yet, there is something wrong with their Christian life. Why? Because Jesus said, do the work of an evangelist. Paul said that, actually. God wants us to be all about the mission that Jesus gave us to bring the gospel to the ends of the world. And how do we start doing that? If we can't occupy the street that we are on now in life that God has given us to be faithful with, it's going to be really hard to do that worldwide. It's going to be really hard to bring the gospel everywhere 
if we can't be faithful with the street that God has given us on. So the challenge is occupy your street with the gospel. So I would challenge you to take that. There's more cards out in the hub that you could take if you have more people that need Jesus. Um, but on March 6th, Sunday night, we're going to be here, and it's really easy. There's no pressure on us. There's no pressure on you. You just invite somebody, and we'll show them a video, a clear presentation of the gospel, and then your job is to use that and take it as it gives you legs, it gives you strength to your legs to run with that person in discipleship and bring them to the gospel. Another thing I want to mention um, is that right after this service, if you're a prayer warrior, we want you to join Norb and Doug and whoever else is going to be in the prayer room and they're going to be praying for that March 6th Harvest, Harvest America event. We want people here, okay? Honestly, if a whole bunch of believers show up, fine. But we want unbelievers in this building to hear the gospel, right? One person? Good? Yeah? We want unbelievers to hear the gospel and come to Jesus and be set free. Okay? So they're going to pray about that after the service in the prayer room. Join them if you want to. On uh, next Sunday night, the ineloquent Dan and Georgiana Akins are going to be here with us. They're also uh, a part of... Um, uh, missionary group that we, we support to Romania, so they're going to be here for a one-hour concert slash uh, Romania, what God is doing there, uh, report. So be here next week, 6 o'clock to 7, then we'll have food and we can hang out, because we always have food when we hang out, right? Today we're going to have a baby dedication. I want to be clear about what a baby dedication is. This is not about salvation for any of these children, Okay? This is not about anything special that any of these kids are earning before God or any of the parents are earning before God. Today, these parents have an opportunity to stand before us, the church, and before God and say, I will dedicate to set up the structure of my home, to set up the structure of my own life, and to instruct my kids in how to love Jesus and in how to love other people in the name of Jesus in a world that points them in the complete opposite direction. So they don't earn anything by what they're doing here this morning, but they get to say to us, the church, that has agreed to support and love them, and they get to say before God that, God, we need your help, we need your strength in the Holy Spirit, because, trust me, being a parent is the hardest thing I have ever done in my life. You try to do it on your own, your kids will swallow you whole, all right? Trust me, they will. We can't do it on our own. We need God to help us. So that's why they're standing up here this morning, not only saying, I dedicate to doing this, but really saying, hey, I can't do this on my own. I surrender myself to you, God. You need to help me or I'm going to go insane and these kids are not going to follow you, right? So, everybody involved in the uh, child dedication, come on up here with your families, whoever's coming on up here with you. I want everyone else to focus on the screen. I'm going to read from Psalm 127, and this is where we're going to be all morning long for the message as uh, these people come up here and line up. Everybody listen to this. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Children are a heritage from the Lord, a reward from him. 
Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies at the gates. Today, you guys, all y'all look at me, all right? Today, you are dedicating in a world that points your kids. Know this. The world will point your kids in the opposite direction that you are dedicating to lead them today. So today, they're taking a stand for the name of Jesus in a world that has very different moral values than you do, right? I tell my son, I tell my son this all the time. All right, I told you that when he came to Iwana one time and there was the stuffed animal night. For an eight-year-old, stuffed animal night's not that all that glamorous, right? He said, D-, I'm just like, Judah, where's your, where's your stuffed animal? Okay? I ain't bring no stuffed animal. That's like, that's like a child's thing. I'm not bringing stuffed animal. I said, Judah, you can make anything cool. Okay? So I'm saying that to you as parents. Okay? You're not the dorky Christian parents that everybody thinks you might be because the world will say that you are. You can make anything cool, okay? I'm not saying that we streamline the gospel and all that stuff and give into it, but you be confident, okay? They are standing today in your presence and in God's presence to say, I will stand not on my own strength, but in the name of Jesus to raise my kids for the glory of God and for his kingdom. So I'm going to start with... uh, Hannah and Douglas at this end, and they're going to introduce themselves, and they're going to introduce their child that they're dedicating, and we're going to work our way all the way down so you can just pass it as you go. It's on, ready to go. Go. Are we sure? Okay. I'm Hannah. This is Carlos Douglas, and this is our son, Brody. I'm John. This is Christy and our son, Carter. Hello, Dan and Kim Ferris with Cole Ferris. I'm Troy, this is Carrie, and this is our daughter, Cora. I'm Mike, and this is my wife, Leslie, and today we're dedicating uh, Jacob. Hi, we're Ted and Lindsay Gerber, and we're dedicating Micah and Julia. Hi, I'm Emily LeMay, and this is my husband, Jeff, and we're dedicating Hattie. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Church, eyes on me, real quick. You have a huge part to play in this. When someone chooses to be a part of a church family, that's exactly what they're dedicating to be a part of, a family. It's primarily their job to raise these kids. You cannot raise their kids for them, okay? And parents, you cannot depend on the church to raise your kids, all right? I'm just telling you that right now. Frustrate me beyond bejeebies when parents depend on our Sunday school program to raise your kids, so we're not going to do that for you. Okay? But we are all a family, and we can all dedicate to helping support and love and be a part of what's our job? To encourage, to hold up, to build up, to rally with them when things are hard, to speak truth to them, to hold them accountable to, to laugh with them, to cry with them. That's our job as the church. Parenting is the hardest thing that anyone's ever done. Raise your hand if you agree with me. Parenting is the hardest job on the planet. That's why, guys, if you work and your wife doesn't, you got the easy job. All right? Just take that to heart. You got the easy job. While I was uh, writing that part, um, 
I was typing it out and I was listening to the song that we sang this morning, I'm no longer a slave to fear, I am a child of God. And as I was listening to it, it, I was literally typing out to encourage, to hold up, to build up, to rally with when things are hard, to speak truth to, and I'm hearing in the background, I'm no longer a slave to fear, I am a child of God. And then it says, you split the sea so I could walk right through it. My fears were drowned in perfect love. You rescued me so I could stand and sing, I am a child of God. And as I was doing that in my, um, in my office by myself, it was like this rally cry, like, that's our job. Like, we are a part of a family. So you are not in this alone. Do you understand that? For all the tears you've already shed raising these kids, you're not in this alone. For all the tears that are coming as you raise these kids, you are not in this alone. That's our part, church. Can we raise our hands and agree that that's our part? Raise your hand if you agree to hold these people up here accountable to what's about to be read on their behalf. That's our part. Now, on the, on the behalf of all of the parents up here, Ted uh, and Lindsay kind of wrote a, a dedication for their children that they're going to read on behalf of all of the parents up here. They've already read it. They've seen it. Um, and Ted's going to read that. So parents, listen well uh, to this. Church, listen well to this, because what he's about to read is what we get to hold him and everyone up here accountable to. Good morning. We are here today to dedicate our children and commit to their future. With the help of our family, friends, and all of you, we will raise our children in a home where God's love, truth, and grace would be evident in our lives. To our kids, we will continue to pray for the day that you accept Christ as your Savior. When you leave our care, our prayer is that you will be humble and patient, loving and generous, and honest and trustworthy with wisdom derived from God's Word. We pray that you will be motivated and fit to lead when God calls you to action. Above all else, our prayer is that you will continue to seek God more and more throughout your time here on earth. We love you and ask for God's help as we continue this journey as your parents. Amen. That was awesome. Give that a hand. That was great. At this time, I want everybody in the room to stand up with us. We're going to have three different elders pray for this group. Um, as parents, as uh, grandparents, as the church, we need to dedicate to praying for each other. And these parents need to get dedicate to praying for their kids. Uh, when they leave here, they're going to get a certificate from us that literally says, they on this day, not just dedicated to their, their kids, to the Lord. That's, it's, parents, it's less about the kids today than it is about you agreeing that this is you saying, I am going to raise my children for Jesus Christ. Okay? So they're going to get a certificate that says that. They're also going to get a Jesus Storybook Bible um, that was donated by the Klein family. Mark and Jessalyn Klein decided to donate that. It's been a huge help to them. Uh, we've used it a little bit. Um, and so every family is going to get one of those two on the back table back there. Uh, but we're going to have three elders pray for them. And as they pray for them, I want everybody in the room just to raise their hands in blessing uh, over these parents and over these families. So everybody raise your hands over these parents and families and listen and pray with our elders as they pray over this group. Our Heavenly Father, uh, while this uh, time this morning is not salvation for these children, 
it is about salvation for them because we want to pray that at an early age they would trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. It reminds me of the words from the Apostle Paul who wrote to Timothy saying that he remembered his faith and how genuine it was and how it was in his grandmother Lois and then in his mother Eunice and was now in him. And we pray that the faith that these parents here have this morning will be passed on faithfully to their children. And how Apostle Paul also wrote in that same letter to Timothy that the scriptures are able to make one wise, even from childhood, unto salvation. And Lord, we just pray that for each and every one of them. And I just want to pray for them by name. And I pray for Hattie LeMay, for Micah Gerber, for Julia Gerber, for Brody Clarkson, for Carter Bracelin, for Cole Ferris, for Jacob Hirons, and for Cora Brockman. For each and every one of these precious children in your sight here this morning, that they would come to know their Creator as their Lord and Savior at an early age. And that you would bless these households, that they would be a light of truth and of faith um, to the glory of God. We just commit them to you in Jesus' name. Amen. These kids and families that are in front of us. Uh, Father, we just think of uh, uh, the, uh, the many needs that are they're going to uh, come in front of these, these kids and the families in the years to come. You know, we think of, of course, all the, the uh, even financial responsibilities. We pray for the, that you would meet those. You pray that you would meet physical responsibilities, Father, as, uh, as we raise the kids healthy. We pray that no illnesses would come upon them. We pray for health for the parents. We pray for energy for the parents to, to uh, have as, as they're tired after a day's work and, and dragging to come home, but, but yet needing energy to spend time with their kids. But more importantly, Father, we just think of the spiritual responsibility that each and every one of us in this room have. We pray that we'd keep these kids in our prayers uh, daily or as often as we can. We pray that we would meet them uh, spiritually when they get older and when they just need some time and need to talk. And uh, we pray that we'd have the proper guidance and the wise wisdom given to the parents that they can bestow that upon their own children. Father, again, it's an incredible opportunity, but it's an incredible responsibility. And we look to you just to meet the needs that uh, we will have to have uh, to support these kids in the years to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, what an awesome thing it is to see these families standing in your presence and in the presence of the rest of us here, expressing their heart to raise their children for you. Father, your word says that you knit us together in our mother's womb, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Father, we know that you are the author of our stories. You are the author of our lives. And as these kids are just beginning their story, we just ask a blessing on them. We ask you to guide them, their parents and uh, raise them in, in the nurture and admonition of you. Um, we thank you this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Give them a hand as they sit down. They're going to find their seats to so make room for them. I think it's hilarious, um, all the screaming you could tell just by standing up here, they're already exhausted. That's what parenting is all about, just the willingness to be exhausted.
all the time. Love it. Thank you guys for doing that this morning. Even if you uh, have children and you weren't a part of this up here today, you, could, you can make that dedication as well um, to dedicate to raise your kids in the love and instruction of the Lord. We're going to be in Psalm 127 like we already read this morning. So if you're not there, in my Bible, that's about where it is. So good luck finding it. It's on page 518 in my Bible. Again, good luck with that. It's right, almost right in the middle of the Bible. Psalm 127, this is a perfect message for parents thinking about raising their kids for the kingdom of God, but it's also a great explosive message for everyone in the room. So if you're not a parent and you've been asleep up to this point, wake up, all right? Because this is for you. Whatever we talk about in the next 10 minutes, whatever is about parents or raising kids or not, the same concepts and the same habits apply to every single person in the room when you're either thinking about raising kids for the kingdom or you're thinking about habits you should build into your own life in order to be what God already says you are. If you're a believer in Jesus, he already says you're a child of God. And for the rest of eternity, the word sanctification is the process that means you're becoming a better version of that. But in God's eyes, you're already the perfect version of what you need to be to be in in eternity in heaven with him. It's like I'm a husband, right? I'm a father, but for the rest of eternity, I will be be becoming a better husband and a better father. So this is good for everybody. I want to start kind of in reverse. I want to go verse 3, 4, and 5 first, and then we're going to end the message this morning with verses 1 and 2. So everybody find Psalm 127. Verse 3, 4, and 5, and we're going to get going with that. Let's read this. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies In the gate, I want you to get this big overarching idea for those verses. An arrow flies where it is aimed. All right, get that in your head. An arrow flies where it is aimed. That's our job as parents. We are the bow and we are the aimer, we're the archer. All right? Our job is to aim our kids and release them and shoot them in the right direction to make a difference for the kingdom of God. They are a weapon. I told my boys that once, and they were just like, boom, I'm a weapon. That's right. You are my weapon against this world, against evil in this world. But you say, Nick, that's not how it works. Because I was faithful to raise my kids to love Jesus, and they're not only walking away from God, they're running away from God. How's that work? I can tell you this. That's been one of the main points of of argument that I've spent time arguing with God about that. And when I say arguing, I don't mean disrespectful. I mean I have pleaded with God on my kid's behalf to help me make sense of why I know some very godly parents who are older 
and their kids have run as fast as they can in the other direction, away from God. But wait, I thought they were good parents. I thought they loved Jesus. I thought they raised their kids to love Jesus. So how does that all work out? I want you to picture this, okay? I'm not an archer, okay? I'm no Ryan Day, but if I stand here, who remembers that when Ryan Day stood in our church and boom, shot an arrow right down the middle of the aisle? Freaked me out. I'm like, I'm glad this dude knows what he's doing. But if I shot uh, an arrow and released it, it would, it would hit in the general direction I aimed at, hopefully, all right? I release that arrow, and it's going to hit the target that I aim it at, unless some external force comes and knocks that arrow off its course, right? At some point, our kids get to the point where you have to release them to make their own decisions in this life, and I am terrified of that moment. Me and Heather say all the time, Lord Jesus, come before we have to do that. Because it's terrifying to think that as soon as I release my kids from my care, I mean, we do as much as we can not to shelter them right now, but someday we're going to have to let them go to make their own decisions. And that scares me, scares me to death. So what in the world do we do about that? There's a book uh, and some people, I think, in this room have gone through it, but it's called Praying for Your Adult Children. I know there was a group that went through praying for your adult children. Why do you have to pray for your adult children if you already taught them how to live for Jesus? Because here's why. What's mine as a parent to do? We have to answer that question. What is mine as a parent to do? And the answer is, I take my bow, I pick up my kids, I put them on the bow, and I aim them in the right direction, and I let them go. But what do I do in the meantime? I pray, 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 pray some more, get on your knees and pray, beg, and pray some more. You get the point? The only thing you can do from this point on for your kids is to pray like their life depended on it. Because you know why? It does. You've got so much less power over your kids than you think until you get on your knees and you pray for them and you leave them in the hands of an almighty God that can take them in the right direction. However afraid you are that your kids, when they grow up, when you have to release them into this world to make their own choices, you're afraid that they're going to walk down the right path. If your kids at this point are not following Jesus, but you thought you did the job to raise them in Jesus, you pray, and you keep on praying, because for the rest of eternity, there is nothing more powerful than the cross of Jesus. And the power of Jesus' cross never runs out of time until Jesus comes back. So while you are alive, you get on your knees every single day, and you pray for your kids. I mean, I know that's like a, <clears throat> for me, because I need to pray more for my kids, but here's the truth. They are never outside of the reach of God, and nothing is more powerful than the cross of Jesus. Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, 
Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And you say, but Nick, that's again, that's not my experience. I'll tell you this, we're doing a, a study on discipleship in our, in our small group, and it's been fairly life-changing for most of, us, most of us in the group as to how we evangelize, how we tell people about Jesus. But the thing that I am most constantly reminded of is what is my job as a disciple maker? My job as a disciple maker is to be faithful every single day with the opportunities that God puts in my hand. That's all I can do. Because I'm not all powerful. I can't change anyone's life, right? The definition of a disciple is follow me. Somebody in my small group tell me. What's the definition of a disciple? Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That's right. The I will make you part is my favorite part. Because it's a head choice to follow Jesus. And then he says, I will make you fishers of men. The fishers of men part, we get that. We go out and we tell people about Jesus. The part we forget often and we lay in our guilt and our shame, you apply this to parenting. If your kids walk away from Jesus when they are old, but you did your job, a lot of times you will sit in your guilt. I've seen it happen. My kids are still young, but I know the fear I feel of them walking away from Jesus, right? But you think, man, I, did a, I must have done a bad job because my kids are not walking with Jesus. My kids are running from him, right? Number one thing I'm always reminded of is it's my job to be faithful with God, with what God has put in my hand and then let him make the changes in someone else's life. Do you get that? I don't, think, I don't think we understand that. It is not your job to change somebody's heart because you can't. It's your job to be faithful as a parent to raise your kids to love Jesus. And then you let them go. You let them go. You love them. You pray for them. But you let them go. We teach our kids to live for Jesus and then we trust, okay, we don't just trust that he's going to lead them in the right way. We trust that he will never, ever stop pursuing them. I think we forget that. Jesus loves your kids more than you do, right? Sometimes it's hard for me to believe because I only know and I can only measure love as far as what I have experienced or what I have given in the past. But I love my kids. You ever get to the point, this may be a little morbid, but you ever get to the point where you literally just want to take a bite out of one of them because they're so stinking cute? Like, I'm serious. I could eat Ivy every day. Like, seriously. I know that sounds gross, but she's so cute, and she makes me laugh so often, I could seriously take a bite out of her. That's, my, that's how much I love her. That's how much I love all my kids. It'd be a little weirder with Judah because he's not so much cute as, anymore as he is tough. Um, but uh, like, like Micaiah the other day, I walked by him. I'm walking up the stairs, and he just, bam, slugged me. And I'm like, it's on, brother. And he just laughed. He's like, ha, 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 I got that. And then I was seriously like, ah, man, because he hit me hard. Usually when he hits me, I'll just have you know, usually when he hits me, he, he like hurts himself, okay? But this time he hit me in the right spot, right between like the bone and the muscle, Oh my goodness, it hurt. And he took so much pride in the fact that he actually hurt dad. It was like the best day of his life. I hurt dad without hurting myself. It was awesome, right? I did not want to eat him in that moment. I wanted to show him who was boss. But you know what I mean. 
And God loves your kids more than you could ever fathom loving them. He will never, ever stop pursuing them. Here's what you can know. If you're faithful with what God puts in your hands, you know that if your kids ever do run away from Jesus, right, they will not be able to do so without knowing the truth. Okay? You taught them the truth. You guided them in how to love God and how to love people. They will not be able to run from Jesus without knowing the truth. And then you pray like crazy that they eventually respond to the fact that God's still pursuing them and God still loves them no matter how many mistakes they make and no matter how far they run. So what do you do as parents? One word. Pray like crazy. I know it's painful when that happens and I know raising kids is painful. My kids are still young, but I know the fear I feel of them running away. So we've got to pray. We've got to pray. We've got to pray. Let's look back, back at verse 3. I want to I wanna show you something from each of these verses, 3, 4, and 5, that you need to remember. Verse 3, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of a womb, a reward. Question number one, is do we see our kids as a blessing from God or an inconvenience? <laughs> Twist it and break it off. I can tell you because most of the anger that I've ever felt with my kids in my house is, is, is really because I see them as an inconvenience. Like I want to be doing something else and they need me and it frustrates me. But my kids are not an inconvenience to me. They're a blessing. So you've got to answer that question. Do you see your kids as a blessing from the Lord or an inconvenience? Verse 4. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. The question in that verse is, are you the warrior that you need to be to raise your kids. And if you don't have kids, are you the warrior that God is calling you to be in his kingdom? Are you taking the steps in your everyday life to build the habits that you need to build to be an effective warrior in the kingdom of God? It's not just about raising your kids to love Jesus. It's about working on your own relationship with God to become the warrior that you need to be in order to raise your kids to be weapons for the kingdom of God when you release them. You get what I'm saying? Sometimes the best way to work on raising your kids is to raise yourself and to let God change you on a daily basis. And that's effective for you too if you don't have kids. Are you letting God on a daily basis change you? Are you letting him have you? Are you holding your hands out and saying, I surrender everything I am to you because, God, I know I can't do this life on my own, whether it has to do with raising kids or just living life as a believer, as a Christian in this world. Let God do the changing. Are you the warrior you need to be in the kingdom of God? Verse 5. Blessed is the man who's, who fills his quiver with them. I promise to not use this against my wife to say, see, we should have more kids. I'm not going to do it. 
I love you, Heather. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Get this. Do you understand that in training your kids to be arrows, to be weapons in the kingdom of God, to be who they need to be as they pursue Jesus and love people in this world, you're teaching them how to fight against the very real and present enemy, and that is the enemy of their souls. Satan is threatened by that. When you make a choice to either pursue God for yourself, even if you don't have kids, or to say, I'm going to raise my kids to be weapons in the kingdom of God. Satan is threatened by that, and he will be on the move to stop you. So what do we do? You train your kids right, and the enemy, whether it's Satan or somebody on earth that wants to hold a grudge against you and bring something up that is slanderous against you, you raise your kids right, and those people and those powers and those authorities will not be able to bring a charge against you. You will be above reproach. And what I mean by above reproach, I don't mean without failure. I don't mean without sin. I mean you put everything you've got into pursuing God because he's pursuing you, into raising your kids to pursue God because he's pursuing them. No one will be able to hold any charge against you. You will be free and above reproach. So you dedicate from this moment on, no matter what has happened in your past, no matter what sin is holding you back from pursuing God, no matter what you have to forgive yourself for that God has already forgiven you for, you say all that is taken care of in the name of Jesus on the cross. Therefore, I will pursue God. I will pursue God. I will pursue God. I will pursue God. So we pray, we pray, we pray, then we obey, and Satan will not be successful at taking us down. Satan will not be successful when we dedicate ourselves to the name of Jesus. So here's the three things. Number one, your kids and even your own life is a blessing given by God. You've got to get to the point where you see it that way. Number two, we need to become the warrior that God has made us to be in his kingdom. And number three, Satan will stop at nothing to throw you off course, but if you pursue God, he will not be successful. Let's go back to verse one and two to wrap this up. Verse one, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Ecclesiastes is a book uh, written by Solomon. It's one of the, it's, a, it's called part of the wisdom literature of the Bible. You compare it with Proverbs. Um, but at the beginning of it, verse 1 through 3, in Ecclesiastes 1, it says this, the words of the preacher the son of David, the king in Jerusalem, that's Solomon, who was named the wisest man that ever lived. He says this, Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. That's not very encouraging, isn't it? I mean, that's like, what? So everything is a waste of time. Yes. Everything that you could ever put your time to and efforts to without the help of God, and without dedicating those things to God, is pointless. 
because eventually those things will fall. Eventually those things will come to nothing when Jesus comes back. You can't take it with you. It's all in vain. But then, that's what the whole book of Ecclesiastes is about. So if you want to thrust yourself into depression, go read the book of Ecclesiastes. I'm just kidding, because it's actually really encouraging. Because this is how it ends. Ecclesiastes 12, 13 says this, The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. The message version says it this way, The last and final word is this, Fear God, do what He tells you, and that's it. We get that? It's like we can get up early, we can do all these things, we can put all this time and energy into working hard, into working hard, into working hard, into working hard, into building for ourselves earthly things, but all of it will come to nothing unless we allow the Lord to be central in it, unless we allow God to be the driving force and the motivation in our heart for why we are doing what we are doing. Colossians 3.17 says this, and whatever you do, whether in word or indeed, do everything in the name of Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. See, I believe this. I believe that God is interested in every little detail of your life. But I also believe, like Jeremiah eleven twenty nine 29 says, it says that He has plans for you, plans to prosper you, prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. I think that God is less concerned with what career you have, where and who you spend time with and the specific pursuits of your daily lives than he is with the motivation and the heart behind why you are doing what you are doing. Behind you going to work every day and saying, my job and what it is is less important to my identity than if I go to my job every day with the attitude of occupying that street with the gospel. You get what I'm saying? So that sets nobody above anybody else. Your job, you get paid more, it doesn't matter, right? What matters is whatever, whatever your job is. Even if you don't have a job, maybe you got laid off, and there's pain in that. And for a man, there is, for everybody actually, probably there is some pain in that. Because you think of yourself as less. Well, guess what? You're not, because you can wake up tomorrow, and whatever you do in that day, you do it in the name of Jesus, you're just as good as the person next to you. God's less concerned with what you do, and he's concerned with your heart in whatever you're doing. He cares about the everyday details of your life, but what's most important to him is your heart does it for the glory of God. Let's read verse 2. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. The message puts it like this. Don't you know? This should be encouraging to somebody in the room today. Because there's somebody here that's been working really hard to earn what you could never earn on your own. Don't you know that he enjoys giving rest to those he loves? If he loves your kids more than you could ever love your kids, he loves you more than you could ever love yourself. And he will give you rest. 
So what am I saying? Pursue what you are going to pursue, but make the choice today to pursue it, allowing God to be central in it, or it won't come to anything. There's freedom in that. Because if I just let go and let God be God, then I don't have to work so hard. I'm not saying don't work hard. I'm not saying don't provide for your family. But as you do so, rest in the fact that God's got this. Right? God's got this. I want to read something to you as the band comes up. and We prepare to take communion. My wife wrote this, Heather. I asked her, we were having a conversation last week. She was telling me um, about just the craziness of life right now and some of the choices she has made to let God control more of her everyday life. And so I asked her this week, as I read that verse, I thought, it's in vain that you rise up early. It's in vain that you go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives his beloved rest. So I said, Heather, can you put that in written form so I can read that? Um, This is awesome. Just let this soak in and find yourself in this and know that God loves you this morning. This time of year is hard, and it's gotten the best of me. I have felt defeated, weary, extremely unmotivated, and simply not caring about the tasks at hand, the duties and the responsibilities that overwhelm me each and every day, especially as a mother. Those have paralyzed me. On top of meeting the demands and needs of four young children, there is a, the pressure of to be the wife I'm called to be, to do the dishes, clean the house, do the laundry, make, everyone el- make sure everyone else is fed and that everyone is where they need to be. There are the pressures of friends and family and ministry opportunities, all while trying to choose joy. Fighting my flesh in sin and trying to live out the fruits of the Spirit. How can I do it all? I'm so thankful for the Lord. When I cried out to him, he heard and answered me. I have so much expected of me each day. There's no way I can get it done, and I don't even want to. I don't even want to attempt to. Through the wise words of a dear friend, this question was asked. Am I trying to control too much? Am I controlling what he ought to control? He also reminded me what my mentor often reminds me. Give your burdens to him. You don't need to carry them. He doesn't want you to. For Jesus asked us to give him our burdens and take his instead. For his are easy and light. So with that in mind, I got up like I do most mornings. I kneeled before our king. With my head bowed in humble position, I put my hands out and asked him to take it. Take all of these burdens I've been carrying. I can't do it anymore. There's too much expected of me, and I simply cannot handle it. Take them and give me yours, please. Forgive me for holding on to these burdens when you've asked me not to. I'm doing so I heard, in doing so, I heard this question. Do you trust me more than your to-do list? Remember, you are important to me, and if you need to... And if what you need to accomplish today is, is important to you, it's important to me too. I will remind you what needs to be done. Trust me, I am, I am trustworthy. 
I can provide the strength and bravery you need to accomplish what I know is best for you to do today. I have given you this day, Father. I confess I have not trusted you. I trust my list and the importance of it over to you. Forgive me. You give me. You gave me this day. You gave me this time, and now I give it back to you and ask you how you would have me to spend it. I proclaim that I trust you more than my list of things to get done, and if it is important, I trust that you will remind remind me of it and provide the strength needed to accomplish it. I take off my burdens and I give them to you. I trust the Holy Spirit's leading. Show me what to do with this time today. We're going to take communion now. And there's two tables up front and one in back. And I would just call you to this today. If you have a relationship with Jesus, then that needs to become your prayer. That you just let go and you let God be God and you let Him take your burdens because His are easy and light and ours are heavy. So make the choice to give them up to Him today. And if you don't know what's going on, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you're still like, what is this that these people are all about? We believe that to be saved, we can't do enough good in this world to earn it. It's just impossible. Because as those last verses we read prove, we've got to stop trying and working for something that we could never earn ourselves. All you got to do is confess, Jesus, I am a sinner and I need you to save me because I can't do it myself. I think everybody in the room needs to be reminded of that. And that's why Jesus died, because we could never earn our own salvation. So he laid down his own life with joy, with the joy of knowing that through his death, we could spend eternity with him in heaven. Isn't that freeing? Isn't that amazing? Nobody seems too excited about that today. Isn't that awesome? We are free in the name of Jesus. And when we come to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. So we're going to take communion now. We're going to worship. Make this time of worship your prayer for your own life that you would let go and you would let God be God. Let him take control. Release everything to him. Surrender it all to him. Whatever burdens you have this morning, lay them on Jesus and let him lay his burden on you because it's light and it's easy because he's taking your heaviness away. God, we trust you. We know that you will give us rest. We desire to stop working so hard and tirelessly at things that will never come to anything unless we dedicate them to you, unless you are number one, unless we pursue you for ourselves and for our kids and for our families. God, it is all about you. Everything else is meaningless unless you are number one. So I pray that we would get that, and I pray that in that we would rest. So we worship you now as we are, Lord. Again, we know you meet us here. In Jesus' name, amen.
We used to sit at the TV um, in his room and watch infomercials. And we would actually sit there and call the numbers that came up on the screen. Because you're like, there's no way what they're offering is, is real. I mean, it's always you watch an infomercial and you're like, there's no way that that is true. It's, there's got to be a catch. Right? Well, let me read this to you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son and whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him that sound too good to be true like there's got to be a catch it's the only thing in this world that there's no catch to. You surrender to Jesus and you will be saved. That's it, right? I know we called you in the song that we just sang, I surrender to you, I'm lost without you. You're the air I breathe. Sometimes we have things like we talked about that we need to surrender to God some burdens that we have that we need to give up to Him. And it's hard to just come by ourselves to God and say, I give this up to you. And so, if you need to be prayed with, if you want somebody to pray with you, whether it's during this next song or right after the service is over, I'll be up front. My wife will probably be up front. Some of the leaders might be around up here. The elders... Or you pray with somebody else, but you come and you receive prayer and you be prayed with that God in His grace this morning would lift your burdens from you and that you would take His. And if you want to receive salvation for the first time, you come up and we'll pray with you. And we're going to sing this one last song that we are, and I love this, that we serve the God of angel armies. We talk about preparing our kids to be a part of the kingdom of God. Well, this is the God that we serve. So let's sing this as a war cry together. <laughs> and if you need prayer, please come up front. There's no shame in it. We'll pray with you. You can wait till after service if you want, but come and be prayed with. Um, today is the day that those chains are broken. So let's sing this last song together. Yeah. 